It's good to be with you all. It is now time for Children's Church, pre-K through third grade. If you'd like to go with Miss Marcy down here to Children's Church, parents, if you'd like your child to go, that's great. We just ask that you check them in. And so if they aren't checked in, we ask that you do that down here with one of our adults and they'll get your child checked in. They'll be in the gym today, so you can pick them up in the gym afterwards as they hear the gospel in their own language. Sometimes that language is harder than others, right? As uh, you try and teach your children the ways of God. Uh, but uh, what a joy and privilege it is to, to be able to do that. It's a joy and privilege to be back with you. We spent the last week in North Africa, somewhere in the world. Uh, we like to call it the ends of the earth. Literally, we traveled every single day of the six days that we were gone. Uh, we were on, on planes, on, uh, we weren't on trains, we were on buses, we were on vans, we were walking, we were on camels, uh, so <clears throat> we were traveling, ATVs, whatever it was, we were on it. Um, the ends of the earth, uh, a, really a whirlwind trip, but so satisfying and gratifying as the Lord um, gave us great insight and direction on reaching a city that has no witness and no access to the gospel. Now just think of that. Um, a city of 100,000 people, so like think Edmond, Edmond about 95,000 people, so think Edmond, Oklahoma, no access to the gospel. That means no one who is a Christian either lives there or goes there. They do not know of one person in that whole city who believes in the gospel, who is witnessing about Christ. I guess the question is, if not us, then who, right? The famous passage as the Lord speaks to Isaiah in chapter 6, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And his response is, here I am, send me. As you know, we've been going to North Africa for about three years now, and it's all fun and games until the full-time worker, we like to call M in that world, says, I want you to adopt this city. Oh, by the way, there is no known believers, no current witness of the gospel, and we have never known anybody who witnessed in this city and it's six hours from the nearest full-time worker or IMB personnel. So yeah, it's incredible to be part of something so big that you know that you have no ability to do that, right? Um, it's kind of like where Steve left off last week in his preaching about the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of God has humble beginnings, small, insignificant and yet grows to be the largest tree in the garden so that even the nations will take rest and refuge on its branches. So last week we wrapped up the parables and Jesus is teaching and we begin the first of three stories in Mark chapter four that have to do with the power of King Jesus and in chapter five as well. And we've seen some of the power of Jesus earlier in the healings, the power in his teaching, and now we see the power of King Jesus has over that which is hostile towards the kingdom of God. 
nature, the demonic, and death. And it's interesting, we start off with nature. Next week will be the demonic, and then we'll follow with death. And these three stories talk about the power of God over that which is hostile towards God's kingdom. So ladies and gentlemen, the king is here and he summons the winds and the waves to obedience. He is the king of peace. So let's read from Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41. If you'll stand with me with me in the reading of God's word, we're going to stand and hear from the Lord in his word. We believe this is the inerrant truth of the scripture. And thus we stand in the reading of the word this morning. Mark chapter 4 verse 35. On that day when evening had come he said to them let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep. On the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? That even the wind and the seas obey him. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. And uh, Lord, we just ask that, Father, as you speak through this story, that we are reminded of the greatness and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, that we need daily to be reminded in the waves and the wind and the storms of life that you are still in control. And Father, that you have sent the one and only Son of God to bring peace between God and man. And Father, we just pray that we would rest in that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we did a lot of conversations in North Africa and uh, had a lot of great conversations. Um, 20, it was, it was a group of 16 uh, men, actually, so three, um, three workers on the ground there um, that were um, of the people group we were working for. We had uh, multiple uh, M's or full-time workers. We had some of our interns, some of our college students uh, that that went this this year, and uh, and us three who came from the church for one week, but we had about twenty gospel conversations, or twenty conversations in which led to the gospel. Um, probably the most conversations or the most light shed in this area in some time. And when you find yourself talking to a Muslim in North Africa, usually there's a path to get to the gospel. And when you find that path in that conversation, you usually take it, right, without hesitation. Because at some point, the conversation usually either turns spiritual, either by them or by us. 
And as I would like to call it, the big three knowingly awaits you once you've shared the gospel. They allow you to share that, they listen to you, and then the big three awaits you. In many cases, this would be the first time um, someone usually has heard the gospel when they're hearing from you, that Jesus came from heaven to earth, lived a sinless life to pay for my and your sins, and resurrected three days later and is returning again. So the big three, what is it? What are you talking about, Rob? After you've shared this gospel, I'd like to call it myself, I've coined it the big three, as we've seen in North Africa, are a variation of rebuttals to the gospel. And they go something like this. Rebuttal number one, Jesus actually didn't die on the cross. His body was switched and it actually wasn't him. Rebuttal number two, your gospels or the Injil has been edited and it's not accurate. And rebuttal number three, you believe Jesus is the son of God. Thus you believe that God, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are three gods and there is only one God. So those are the three real hurdles or... um, stumbling blocks to get people to actually hear who Jesus is and what he did. So pretty much since someone is born in North Africa, they have been taught these three things and told to them, this is why you are not a Christian, you are a Muslim. So then you can see the work in this part of the world is difficult and slow and hard You take out the crucifixion, the word of God, and the character and nature of Christ, then you don't really have much to talk about, right? So what do you talk about then? Knowingly, when you share the gospel, that these three obstacles are going to be in your path. You know it. They've been taught this their whole life, even though they've never heard the full gospel. Well, why not just tell them a story, just like the story that we read? Because if you tell the story that we read, and people love stories, and they love listening to stories, you don't need to argue about the realities of who Jesus is, right? You don't have to argue about how Jesus' mother identified him on the cross or how the, the gospels are the most accurate ancient documents in the modern, um, in, in the modern area. With over 5,000 ancient manuscripts, some even less than 100 years old after the originals were written. Or the fact that Jesus is God, not only making it clear by what he said, but also showing us that. And this is a great depiction of that and the story of the calming of the wind and the waves. And if you tell the story, there's a chance that the seeds of the gospel will take root in someone's life. I had one guy tell me after we told this story in a barber shop, yeah, well, didn't the other prophets have miracles? Didn't Moses part the Red Sea? 
I, I actually had to think about that, right? Like, okay, some of the prophets had miracles. Didn't Moses part the Red Sea? And I thought about it that night. I didn't respond to, to his, his rebuttal, but I thought about it that night. But the difference is God told Moses to lift the staff, stretch out his hand to divide the waters, The miracle was attributed to God through Moses. But if you read this story very carefully, there's no discussion between Jesus and God. The disciples wake him up and he says, be still. You see, creation submits to Jesus' word. The only conclusion that Mark gives here is that Jesus is God. Why? Because the winds and the waves immediately are still. And at the end of the story, Mark reveals to us who Jesus is by asking the question, who then is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? He is the king of peace. So let's worship the king this morning as we study God's word together. Look at verse 35 with me. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Remember at the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus had been with such large crowds that he had to get in this boat to teach. Why? Because the crowds are trying to touch him to be healed. In chapter 3, it tells us that they almost crushed him trying to get near him. So he'd get in this boat, and they would stand on the the shores, and he would teach to them. So Jesus has been teaching all day, and it's now time to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And he tells his disciples, let's go across. They don't wait. He's already in the boat teaching, and so they just begin to go across the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, we're probably going to go next year, hopefully. And it is interesting. It sits in the basin of cliffs, steep hills on either side of the sea. It is 690 feet below sea level, making it the lowest freshwater body on the face of the earth. Doesn't, doesn't God love to take low things and raise them up in that, the gospel, right? So the Sea of Galilee, the lowest uh, freshwater body on the face of the earth. But because of the northern cold air from the Golan Heights come down to the basin of the sea where the warm air meet, it can create these wicked storms, right? We we understand that in Oklahoma during the spring and April, May season when the the cold meets the hot and they come together and we have these things called a tornado, right? Well, that's kind of what happens in the storms in the Sea of Galilee. In 1992, a storm on the Sea of Galilee created 10-foot waves causing major flooding in the region. Remember, James... And Peter and John, these are fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They understand the sea perfectly. They have access to these boats. And now they're going into travel mode. And what will happen next is interesting. And a great windstorm arose, verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So that the boat was already filling. 
But he, speaking of Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? This is our first point this morning. Creation has fallen, inciting chaos. Creation has fallen, inciting chaos. I don't know if you uh, uh, read this this week, but uh, uh, there was a there's a lady who plays soccer for the U.S. women's team, and uh, she was playing in her last game. And she tore her Achilles tendon, and um, as she goes um, off the field in the interview after the, the game, she says, there is proof that there is no God, because God wouldn't allow me to tear my Achilles tendon um, in my last game of the season. That was her proof. Well, as Christians, we actually don't deny that this world is chaotic, We don't. That this world is actually filled with suffering and violence and injuries and death. And it's not good. We actually affirm that this world is not a great place to be. Creation has fallen inciting chaos. You see, the storm begins to beat down on the boat in such a way that the sailors are like, we don't know what to do. These are sailors. These are experienced fishermen. The boat is filling up and they're like, man, we, we got to talk to Jesus. He's somebody who can maybe help us a little bit here. But he's fast asleep on his pillow. Uh, you, you don't bring a pillow unless you're planning on sleeping, right? And Jesus has been teaching all day. He's tired, he's exhausted, and he's sleeping. Amidst the wind and the waves and the crashing, the filling of water, you can just imagine him being soaked and just being sound asleep. Well, we had a, we had a guy on our trip. He's a night worker. And uh, I think we got a picture of him. Do we have a picture up there? We don't have a picture? Anyway, he, we don't have it. But he is sound asleep within seconds. And so he brought his huge pillow, his face mask, everything that he has on, uh, on the airplane with him. And I was sitting next to him and I was like, man, he, he went to sleep fast. He had no problem with jet lag. I had all the problems with jet lag. I was like, I got to learn from this guy. <clears throat> oh, you got it. There he is. There he is. All right. Yeah, there, there you go. I thought you were laughing at me because I was so funny. I didn't know. That's all right. But you can imagine the the boat taking on water. Uh, The boat's going down. Jesus is asleep. The imagery is very clear. The chaos of the wind and the waves is unbearable. And the king of peace is resting from a long day of teaching. You know, the sleeping in the middle of the storm reminds you of another prophet, Jonah, right? Who was fast asleep in the middle of the storm. And yet, King Jesus, unlike Jonah, was in perfect obedience to the Father. And what awaited Jesus on the other side of this sea, on the other side of this storm, was much like Jonah, the land of the Gentiles. We'll talk about it next week. And he would be immediately confronted by a demoniac. 
Yet, in Jonah's case, the storm ceased. How? Because Jonah was thrown overboard by the sailors. He would give his life for the life of those sailors. It was not Jesus' time to give his life to bring peace among the chaos in this world. He would do that upon the cross. But he would show first that the sound of his word would cause the storms to cease. You see, in the narrative of creation, God brings order from chaos. And how does he do that? Through his word. Amen? Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It was chaotic. It was without form and void. It was dark. And guess what? The Lord is hovering over where? The waters. The chaos. And God said through his word, let there be light. And there was light. And we began putting creation, he began putting creation into order. And it was good. It was perfect. You see, God created all things good. But then it was broken. It was fallen by the fall and sin. You see, the the sea in the scriptures is often used to show chaos and evil. In Revelation, the beast rises up out of the sea. In the Old Testament, the great serpent of the sea, Leviathan, the great sea monster, causes great fear upon those who sail the seas. Leviathan is actually, in Canaanite mythology, is a great serpent of chaos. And God tells Job that he puts fish hooks in Leviathan's mouth, reminding Job that he is the Lord God Almighty, that he rules over the seas and the monsters in it. Psalm chapter 89 Verse 9 says this, you rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you steal them. You crushed Rahab like a carcass. Rahab, another word for Egypt. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. So the point is this. Even though it looks like the chaos on the earth is out of control, it looks as if the great Satan may be winning, the Lord still controls the chaos by bringing the king of peace to the earth. What does Jesus say? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see, the world is simply out of hand. We're not going to deny that. We see the effects of the broken world all around us. Wars, hatred, sickness, death, even natural disasters, poverty. And sometimes it affects even us as believers in real and meaningful ways. 
Sometimes it's overwhelming, and sometimes we ask the same question. The disciples are asking, Jesus, do you not care? Do you not care that we're perishing? Yet the God of peace in the story this morning wants to remind you that he does care. That he is in full control. He knows your situation And yet, it's often the storms of this life in which bring us to a knowledge of truth. It's the storms of this life that brings us to knowing Christ intimately and deeply in meaningful ways. The disciples got to see who Jesus was because of the storm. But we know that creation itself waits to be renewed. Romans chapter 8 tells us about this renewal of creation. Creation's groaning to be renewed. Romans chapter 8 verse 19, For the creation waits eagerly, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It's bondage to corruption. So yes, there is chaos in creation. It's not how God designed it. But he has brought about hope. Jesus came to bring us peace and he shows his power to overcome the chaos. And so Jesus' answer to do you not care is this, verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. This is point number two this morning. You see the king has power over nature. The king has power over nature. The word of the Lord spoke creation into existence and the word of the Lord immediately calmed the raging seas. John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord that he's full of grace for us. Amen. You see, we like to focus upon all the problems of this world instead of focusing upon the grace of God amidst the storm. It's probably one of my most favorite stories in the Bible, this one right here, because it speaks to me on such a deep level. No one else can speak this truth to me. The fear of the disciples, yeah, yeah, I I can relate to that. The chaos that grabs hold of my life and begins to choke me. And yeah, I can relate to that. Yet it's the response of the king that gives me assurance in my life. Knowing that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Not only does he hear my cry for mercy. But he responds to me. In a way that no one could imagine. In a way that only he can respond. He says peace be still. 
In some of your translations, it says silence, be still. You see that idea of being at peace, being still in the midst of the storm, that really idea has truly changed my life. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords would love me so much that he would say to me, peace, be still, my brother. I got this. Philippians 4, 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does it say? The Lord is at hand. You can just hear Paul's thought process when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, right? The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, I am by nature an anxious person. I am by nature fearful. Yet God is asking me and he's asking you, his people, do you trust me in the middle of the storm? Psalm chapter 107 recites the beauty of God's steadfast love in the storm. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 107. Read it and rest in it. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, Let them extol him in the congregation of people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. I I love reading you guys these things. Hopefully it'll bring peace to your soul. But I love reading Isaiah as well. As Isaiah has been really just beautiful to, to my heart through these four chapters of Mark. But Isaiah 25 says this, Therefore strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. 
A feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over the peoples. The veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. You can imagine the disciples are thinking this. This is the Lord. We have waited for him that he might save us. The king is here and the disciples and everyone who saw this knows it. Everyone who hears this story today knows it. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Let it be true of your life of chaos. Awaken to the reality that God does care for you. That he cared so much for you. That he will be willing to come down to take on flesh, die a sinner's death, only for you to receive eternal life. You see, the God of creation cares for you. So yes, this life is hard. Yes, there are going to be storms in this life. But the God of creation died for you upon a cross. Trust in him. Verse 40. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? That even the wind and the seas obey them. This is point number three this morning. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You see, the fear of death of the disciples has now turned into the fear of the king. This is what the Christian life looks like. A fear of death now turned into a fear of God himself. No longer do the Christian fear death because we know that our Savior has died, that we may live, that we may be resurrected with Christ for all eternity. We know that there is a God who loves us, who saved us, and now our fear is of this God and our focus becomes about glorifying this God Because we know him. You see the fear of God now comes upon the disciples. Knowing that God. The God of glory is in their presence. It's normal to fear God. When you know that about this God. And he is in your presence. 
sinful man in the presence of God strikes fear in the heart of man. Abraham, when he meets with the Lord, says, who am I but dust and ashes? Manoah, the father of Samson, said after seeing one of God's angels, we shall surely die for we have seen God. Isaiah says, when he, when he sees the vision of the Lord, he says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips, for I've seen the king the Lord of hosts. Ezekiel, he falls on his face when he sees the glory of the Lord. Daniel falls on his hands and knees and begins to tremble when he hears the word of the Lord. And John, who sees the visions of Revelation, falls at the feet of King Jesus as one who was dead. You see, when the scales fall off the eyes and reveal to you who King Jesus is, the moment you begin to understand who you're talking to, you desire to live for the glory of God because you are in the presence of the King. There's not a pastor trying to tell you what to do. There's not a parent who says, you got to do this better, son. It's not a Sunday school teacher giving you a list of do's and don'ts. You enter the presence of the king and you say, I want to follow him. You understand who Christ is and you begin to live a life for the glory of God. You see, Mark begins the gospel with a declaration of who Jesus is in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the Savior, the Messiah promised from the prophets, the Son of Psalm chapter 2, who will be king. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. And his declaration through this story is undeniable. Jesus is king. He is God. He is Lord. And he is worthy to give your life to. And so the question rings true to us this morning. Who then is this? That even the wind and the seas obey him. Because who you say Jesus is will determine how you live your life. If you determine that Jesus is just a good teacher, your life will not be submitted to him. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth that the king of peace has come. Father, we acknowledge that there are a lot of storms in our life right now. There's a lot of people in this room, Father, that are hurting from failures, maybe of their own accord, but some, some that have just come about in their life. And Father, they're in need of the king of peace to come and give them rest. Give them solace, give them peace. 
And your word says to come before you in all things, in prayer and supplication, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this morning, we ask, Father, that this would be a word of encouragement to many as they begin to uh, encounter these storms in their life. May they be people who stay steadfast. They cling to Christ for grace and mercy in their life. They show grace and mercy to others who are going through the storms. Lord, give us great wisdom and grace as we walk this hard and chaotic world. Father, give us love for people just as you have patience and love for your disciple, his disciples, we just pray that we would have patience and love with the people that come in our path. We thank you and praise you for this morning. And we, we ask, Father, that there, if there is anyone who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would um, ask you to be your Lord and, their Lord and Savior and give their life to you. Father, we ask that if there's anyone who has not shown their faith through baptism, that they would want to be baptized. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your great name and your great mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're now going to worship the Lord together. If you'll stand up, pastors are up front. We would love to pray over your pains, your failures, your sufferings, your sin. We would love to pray for you. If you want to pray at the altar, the altar is open as well. The Lord is ready to receive you. Let's worship together.